What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney Eric Huberman is the founder and CEO of Hawk Media a full-service outsourced CMO based in Santa Monica, California that launched in 2014 and has been valued at $60 million. In just three years, Hawk Media has grown from seven to over 120 employees and has serviced 400 plus brands, including Red Bull, Evite, Verizon Wireless, and HP. Hawk Media was recently named one of the Inc. 5000 lists of fastest growing companies in 2017. As a serial entrepreneur and brand marketing expert, Eric Huberman is a sought after thought leader in the world of digital marketing, entrepreneurship, sales, and business. Prior to Hawk Media, Eric founded, grew, and sold Swag of the Month and grew Ellie.com sales to $1 million in four months. Eric is the recipient of numerous honors and awards, including Forbes 30 Under 30 and Inc. Magazine's Top Marketing Influencers. This episode lets you hear the path to one of the up-and-coming entrepreneurs. Eric, thanks for joining us on What Got You There? How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. So for anyone who's not familiar, can you just give a two-minute elevator pitch on what Hawk Media is? Sure. Basically, we're an outsourced CMO and marketing team to companies. So we have 125 experts uh, in different verticals of marketing, like Facebook search, email, influencer web design, overall marketing strategy. And what we do is go into a company, identify where the holes are in their bandwidth. Sometimes that's a couple things. Sometimes that's, frankly, the entire marketing team. And we can spin up a team and everything we do is a la carte month to month. So the idea is it's a really a less expensive, easier way to get experts in marketing onto your team. I love the a la carte approach. How did you first come up with that? Uh, honestly, it's just out of the pain point. I've had three e-commerce brands of my own before this and was always annoyed by the fact that I'd have to sign up for things I didn't need or sign long contracts that made no sense. It's like, let's get married and we've never gone on a date. So... <laughs> Just it just didn't like the ecosystem and found that, you know, the options were that, you know, hiring these agencies or hiring someone in-house and in-house just never seemed cost effective. And that's if you could find the talent. And again, on the agency side, the few I'm talking about that want contracts or have a bunch of things you need to sign up for. Those are the good ones. I'd say 99 percent of them, meaning agencies, have no idea what they're doing. And so that's another frustrating point as well. So that's frankly where the motivation to start was. Gotcha. Yeah, no, solving your own problem. I definitely want to hit more on that. But did you know our entrepreneurial journey started the same way, both with Beanie Babies? Oh, really? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I've got to hear your story. I think it was what, when you were about eight, you got into the Beanie Baby business? Yeah, no, I mean, basically, I wanted an electric guitar. And I asked my dad for one when I was eight years old. And he said, oh, good, then go get a job. And there were actually a couple of expletives in that, too. And so I took him seriously. And at eight years old, I saw that Beanie Babies were getting super popular and didn't understand why, but didn't care because, you know, the price was there. And so started buying and selling them and figuring out which ones people are going to be into. Were you able to purchase that guitar? Uh, yeah, bought the guitar, bought a BMX, bought, uh, and then saved money for a car. Do you remember your best Beanie Baby deal? Yes, there was an unraveling Stegosaurus. I don't remember the name of the Stegosaurus, but I'm sure if you look it up, it was one of the rare ones. And I'd found it like a year before and played hacky sack with it and didn't care about it. This was before I was going to buy and sell them. 
but that's what it was all about was finding the rare exciting ones and that one got rare and exciting and so here it is with beans falling out of it or beads i guess and you know just in terrible condition and someone sees it at a trade show and goes i'll give you 450 dollars for that and i sold it right away <laughs> <laughs> those tie-dyed uh, dinosaurs you had to love those ones exactly so, so as a kid clearly entrepreneurial at that time any other things you were doing and, and did you really resonate with that entrepreneurial spirit or is this something you kind of yeah. just fell into um well both because uh, honestly like my dad's an entrepreneur so i grew up thinking like that's what you do like i want you know you get a lot of your cues from your parents and the fact that my dad had started you know his dad had started a business my dad had helped his dad's business and then he had built a spun a business off of it and built his own it was just, a, you know, through lineage, I was like, okay, so that's what you do. If I'm going to get a job, it's to learn something to then go build a business. So after seeing all that, I frankly just thought that's what you did. So, you know, even before the Beanie Baby thing, I did the lemonade stand and I actually sold flowers and lemonade at the stand, both of which were taken from my mom <laughs> and her garden. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, I, I always wanted to, you know, my dad did, I don't know if it was on intentional, but did a good job of instilling kind of the value of money in my head that from a young age, I wanted to build something. So what industry did you think you were going to go into? Uh, real estate. Really? All through high school, I studied real estate. Uh, when I graduated college, my first job was as a uh, commercial real estate agent. My goal being to make some money there and then start investing and start, you know, doing development and buying buildings and owning them, that kind of thing. How'd you do early on? Uh, terrible. I started one week before the entire banking industry collapsed. Oh yeah. Perfect timing there, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I have a knack for it. So I, uh, yeah. So after that, I, yeah, I tried to do it for a while and it just, you know, didn't get anywhere. And so that's when I started working on my first e-com company. How'd you get started on e-com? Uh, honestly, I always had a, I was kind of a computer nerd in high school, not college. I was actually a pro gamer for a little while. So I always liked the internet. And so when it came time to try to figure out what I was going to do, the only thing I could think to do was to start looking at, uh, you know, opportunities on the side that I could do while continuing with real estate just in case. So the easiest side business is an internet, internet business. I didn't have to go anywhere. I just started working on different websites and different ideas. I was actually working on a real estate website. I was working on a bunch of different things. And then the, I came up with this, or actually I got approached by a friend's dad whose son was the drummer in my band. I was a guitarist from a young age and he, his son had still pursued it. And he's like, there's gotta be a way to work with these guys and, you know, basically harness the entrepreneurial spirit of, uh, musicians and help them target it so they can actually make money. And so I put together a business plan. He loved it and turned out that guy was on the board of men's warehouse, was a co-founder of pay-per-view on another, owned another company with Deepak Chopra, a guy named Ronaldo Brutico. And so, uh, with him, he helped raise a million bucks for it. And we co-founded this online music company. And that was how I really got my start. Do you always have this many things going on? I mean, musician, professional gamer, buddy, yeah, real so estate agent. <laughs> I just don't sit still well. <laughs> you know, some call it ADD, which I think is kind of a fallacy. I think I just, I, I like doing a lot of things, even with Hawk, like I'm the guy that's responsible for expansion, for growth, for getting the name out there. Basically, my job is to do a million things at once. And, you know, I have a COO and a partner that's amazing at bringing it down to earth and making sure things get executed and done. And the combination has been what's, you know, mainly driven our success, along with having just a lot of great people around us. But we 
you know, that, that balance is needed. And for me, like I love nothing more than jumping around, learning new things, trying new stuff. So it works. And then Hawk just celebrated uh, your four year birthday, right? Yep. So yep, can we, on Saturday. So, yeah. Awesome. Congratulations on that. Can we kind of talk about that? How many employees are you up to over a hundred now? Yeah, we're like 125, I believe. Man, so what has separated you guys that? I mean, even you being named Forbes 30 under 30, growing this company in four years to over 100 plus employees. How do you go about that? You know, it's a few things. But at the end of the day, this this business is all reputation and driven. And like we do the right thing for the right reasons. We bring on good people. We try to do what we say we're going to do. And we've built a reputation for that now with a lot of people that I don't want to say matter, but can basically affect our business. I mean, even now, half our business is referral, and that's down from, you know, 100% of our business. Now we're doing a little more proactive work. But still, even the other half, those people check us out, they call their friends, they, you know, try to get a read on our reputation. So you have to really run your business as if everyone's every single person you ever touch is going to be able to talk to every single other person you ever touch. So that you know, you, you never want to be ashamed of something you did. You, you know, you, the only, the few times I've had to like basically argue with a client or, you know, say no to a client has been really, really good reasons with conviction. Cause most of the time you have to run like a restaurant where it's, if someone's unhappy, you make them happy. Hmm, great approach to business. And now, I mean, when you started this in 2014, sort of solving your own problem, where did you think the company would be in four years? Uh, Honestly, we literally the first week laid out a plan, not a plan. We laid out a thermometer. It was like, this is what we're going to do the first four years. And it was exactly what we did. That is what so I, I don't, absolutely that, love. Yeah. And I don't want to take any credit for that. I don't know if it's which if the tail wagged the dog or what, if it's the fact that we set the goal is why we hit it or if we hit the goal just because we really did have that good of a read on how our growth was going to go. Like, I don't know. But I mean, we're talking within one or two percent. We hit the goal. We exceeded the goal by one or two percent every year. Are you at all afraid of failure? Um, not really. I don't know. Like, I, I like, I, I don't know. I from when I first started my first music company, I had come off a year of working in real estate, making no money. So I was in twenty five grand in debt with very little income, trying to make things work in a really expensive city. Which, trust me, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. I loved it, but the idea, like, money is not why I do this, nor is it why my partner does it. Like, we made enough money the first year when we were, you know, a tenth the size. So. I, that's not why we're here. And so like the idea of failure, like that's I'm, the, only, the only way to like grow is to fail at certain things. So it's like fail quickly and try things. I hope that talk media in general doesn't you know completely go away. I really love doing this, but I don't have a fear of it. Yeah, no, it seems like some of the top entrepreneurs we interview, they have no fear of failure. Uh, and I think a lot of that stems from self-confidence. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's, it's confidence, but it's also just logic. Like I literally look at it and go, well, what, what's the worst that can happen from a professional level? Like I will never have a problem getting a job. I literally sign, you know, marketing clients on a, you know, semi weekly basis, which is the same thing as going to a job interview. So for me to go find a company that wants to bring me in house after what I built here, I don't really stress. So kind of the baseline for me is a good job, which it never concerns me now. I don't want to go work for someone. I've been through enough problems with that, but I just, you know, that in terms of maintaining a lifestyle or, you know, paying the bills or, you know, no kids yet, but when I have them, you know, taking care of them, that those like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like food, shelter, all that, I'm good. So, and I, I don't worry about that, frankly, for the foreseeable future. So that I think now it's just a question of like, you know, 
how big can I build this? It's fun. I like growing things. That's why I built this business around growing other businesses. So now it's just a question of like, you know, it's more of the challenge of growth. And look, and honestly, that's how you have fun with this. Like instead of looking at everything as a problem, because your job as CEO is to put fires out, you look at it as a new challenge and a new, you know, back to my roots, another level in that video game kind of thing. I take it you're someone who has a really strong core set of values. Is that true? Yeah. I definitely stick to my morals and values. How'd you go about developing that? And, and do you implement that into Hawk? Yeah, that 100%. Um, there's a couple of things. I mean, we and there's kind of different sets of those, I would say. But the main number one overarching rule is if you, you know, do everything as if everyone can see it and you're going to be here for a long time, it really affects the decision making. You end up doing the right thing for the right reasons. And like, you know, greed goes away. A lot of things go away because if you assume you're stuck with this ecosystem and you're not going to be able to just jump ship and hide somewhere, you're not going to screw people over. If you assume everyone can see what you're doing, you're not going to screw people over and you're going to work hard and do things, get things done. And you're going to, you know, deliver on your promises. And, you know, there's a lot of things you're going to do if you assume you're under a microscope, which what's nice is with this social media age, we are. Under your leadership, has this trickled down to your employees much more than you expected? Uh. I don't, I don't know if it's more than I expected because it also affects how we hire people. Like we have three hiring tenants that also like the tenants of like our people that literally are lit up in LED lights on our wall. We have three things. It's people that get shit done, learn quickly, and then it says be cool. And our view of that is we want people that know how to actually get things done because execution matters, not hard work. Hard work is such a fallacy. Like don't get me wrong. Our people work very, very hard. But if they, you combine that with people that know how to execute and check things off and get them done, you end up with a, uh, you end up with just, yeah, a high output company. The second piece, learn quickly. Like we, things are changing all the time. We want people that are staying up on it, that are nimble, that know how to like change what they're doing. And that's super important. Like you have to have the, that, especially in a marketing agency. And the last one, be cool. Like we all spend way too much time together. They spend way too much time with our clients. We have to have high IQ, cool people that know how to, you know, be human beings. And that's really the tenants for how we hire, how we, our culture, basically. Did you guys map this out from day one or did this evolve as the company went on? Uh, this was said over and over again by my business partner until the point where it actually got solidified as our three tenants. Oh, that's but it awesome. was something he said from early on. Gotcha. I kind of want to dive into each one a little bit more deep if we could. So you get sure. shit done. How hard are your employees working? I mean, do you, are, are you one of those companies that, Hey, as much vacation time as you want, or are these people busting their balls 14, 16 hours a day? I'd say both. They can take as much vacation time as they want, but when they're here, they're working their butt off. Um, you know, 14 and 16 is an exaggeration. There's plenty of people here that work normal eight to nine hour days, but it's more of the, uh, you know, they're, they're, you don't really get away from it. Like we do unlimited vacation days, but it's like, just make sure you we say it, handle your shit and you can go do whatever you want to do. So we've got people that go, you know, one of our employees, I think has been in South Africa for three weeks, but we've had no complaints from her clients. We've had no problems. She's on top of it from South Africa and she's been with us a while. So we trust her. So it's not a problem. You know, it's only a problem if they make it a problem. How do you weed that out in the hiring process, understanding that someone's actually really willing to be that gritty and work that hard and get shit done? Um, you know, it's it comes down to it, it's hard. Uh, honestly, we, we try to scare them around the hard work, like even though it is a pretty, you know, we call it the most comfortable place to be uncomfortable, like people work hard here, but it's a pretty comfortable environment. We try to scare them in the interview as if it's like going to be just, you know, the hardest work they've ever done and grueling. And we make sure that they're ready for that. 
we try to, you know, talk to them learning quickly. You just try to look if they have, you know, a little bit of wit or, you know, they can keep up in a conversation is a good start. And the cool part, again, like if they're able to have a normal conversation and, you know, not be socially awkward about it, et cetera, is something we look for as well. Like they could, and again, it's, and I'm not trying to, you know, downplay social awkwardness. The end of the day, they're working with our clients too. So they have to be able to keep up a conversation. So that combination is some, you know, the things we look at and those aren't that hard to read, but we also articulate it and make sure that they're comfortable with that and then make sure they live up to it. Because if we have to fire someone every once in a while, because they don't, we do. It seems like you guys have really built a great culture there. And then how do you foster this and, and, and do different events and team building activities? Anything you guys actually map out or plan throughout the year for your company? Uh, I mean, every single department now takes does individual, you know, events, trips, things like that to make sure that they're building community. But uh, once a year to celebrate a birthday, including this past weekend, we uh, take the entire team on a trip. So we did uh, cruise to Mexico over the weekend for four days. Very um, nice. Yeah, it was fun. And so it's a great way to get the team to, you know, bond basically and get together more. Do you guys focus on any business during this or is it solely bonding? Uh, solely bonding. We don't do any, you know, retreat style events and trust falls and things like that. It's like everybody go hang out, drink, have a good time if you drink and enjoy the beach and enjoy the cruise ship and get to know each other. And then you come back. We saw it like this was honestly we, my partner and I have talked about it. This trip was probably our best one yet from results. Everyone's now hanging out in common areas together. People that didn't even know each other, are like best friends now, like really what we want out of it is people to enjoy working with the people they're surrounded by and know the people. Because when you're kind of in the trenches together, getting hard work done, you've got to like the person next to you. And that's we seem to accomplish it this time. So we identified how you kind of select this talent. Now you've got them in your company. How do you groom them and develop them? And then also, I don't do you, do you want to hold on to them for as long as possible or do you want them to move on? Uh, depends. We cover saying here it's up or out. So if we have a place for them to move up over time, then hopefully we can move up and we can continue to build a company where we give people what they need in that sense. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so the, uh, the out part means like if someone, and we have, it happens if someone's been here for a while and they haven't, uh, they haven't grown and they're not improving and they're not, you know, showing that they have a chance of either becoming, you know, a higher level marketer or a manager. Uh, we start to encourage them to find something else. Gotcha. Can you take us through a typical day for you? I'm, I'm assuming there's not one typical type of day, but maybe a general <laughs> guideline. Uh, yeah. I mean, typical day for me, you know, my, again, my comp, my, there isn't, there literally isn't one. If there's a typical day for me, I'm doing something wrong because every day should be finding something new and different for the company. So, you know, I literally went to New York for the day yesterday to meet with one of our largest clients, as well as meet up with another client, as well as a partner of ours and talk to some investors for the venture side of our business. So I went New York and back that you know, I went the night before, got in at like 2 a.m. and then flew back, got back at 1 a.m. last night. So that's not atypical. That's one day today. Uh, I'm honestly going to accept, a, an, a, we do a lot of charity work and we're getting an award for it. So I'm going to accept an award on Hawk's behalf for lunch, uh, talking to you this morning on a podcast meeting with a couple clients, potential clients, partners throughout the day on the phone. I have typically around 15 to 20 phone calls a day scheduled with different, again, prospects, clients, partners, et cetera, employees. Um, and yeah, I mean, and then this evening I've just joined YPO. So from five to seven, I'm going 
YPO, a YPO meetup, so to speak. So it's a lot of networking, a lot of meetings, uh, a lot of getting their name out there, and a lot of strategizing with my partner on what else should we be doing. Today, what got you there is being fueled by Soniva Super Coffee. Soniva provides an organic bottled coffee blended with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil for all-day energy. Grab a bottle at your local Whole Foods market or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. As someone who's always looking for ways to improve my mental and physical performance, I started using Four Sigmatic about a year ago, and I love their products. At Four Sigmatic, they believe in the real magic of functional mushrooms like reishi, chaga, cordyceps, and lion's mane, as well as other superfoods and adaptogens to help us live healthier, more enhanced lives. Everyone's talking about Four Sigmatic, including Time Magazine, Vogue, Forbes, even the New York Times. My favorite product is their convenient new Brain Stick Pack. Perfect before a workout or a study session, their dual mushroom blend supports memory attention and brain health. I also have been using their cordyceps before workouts and love the results. I've experienced the benefits of these delicious packets, but now it's time for you to as well. To receive 15% off your order, use discount code WGYT at checkout at foursigmatic.com or by heading to foursigmatic.com forward slash WGYT. I mean, you intentionally schedule so many meetings. I feel like a lot of CEOs, they try to intentionally block off huge gaps where they can just think, why have you taken a different approach and scheduled all these meetings? I, I've, I, and I've heard that a lot and I've seen it a lot and I totally get it. I just have never needed to block time off to think. My brain doesn't really stop, so... <laughs> Anytime I am, I'm not doing something, I'm thinking. So I, I, there's just an inherent love for what I do, which, you know, and honestly, my fiance is one of the most supportive people about it. Uh, but she even says it like you really like every night and day, like you're talking and thinking about work, like you really are. And don't get me wrong, there's times that I get out and get an escape. But for the most part, like this weekend, I don't have honestly a lot planned. That's plenty of time to spend thinking about what else we should be doing with work. And also, there's enough to do that thinking isn't like my challenge right now. And we're pretty good at solving problems quickly, et cetera. So it's more about like, now we need a VP of sales. So I'm going to go proactively do that. We're, you know, building out this venture fund. So I'm going to help with that. Obviously, we'd like to make sure our clients are happy and also get new clients. So I'm spending time on that. Like it's, there's not a lot of thinking that needs to happen in between that, that I need to like real time reserve for it. And on the meeting side, my job is to get the name out there. The more people I can touch on a daily basis, the more effect I can have on that. I mean, you've done a great job creating your own role within your business. What do you still have on your plate you're trying to get off your plate? Uh, still doing a little too much sales, uh, like day-to-day sales for us. We have a solid sales team, and I just you know, continue to try to pull guys in and help. I need to do a better job of it. That's totally a, ja- or a knock on myself. They're totally capable. They're good when I hand them off stuff. I just need... There's certain times where like I don't think about it, and I just take it on myself. And the problem with for me, taking on a, you know clients is I end up being the main touch point, which means all along their relationship with Hawk, I'm the one that's getting phone calls. And so I'm totally happy to be that person if needed. But a lot of times it's not necessary for me to be that person. And I'm still getting those calls. So it, that ends up bogging down my day a little bit, which, again, like if it's needed, I never mind talking to a client. But if it's just like I wanted to like get your two cents on this, you know, we have, that's why we hire amazing marketers and put them on clients. So a lot of times because I'm the CEO and also brought in the client, they'll go to me over and over again for stuff. So it's makes it a little hard on the, you know, efficiency of time thing. 
but that's about it. I mean, you know, honestly, I'm able to pretty much focus on the thing again, expansion and strategy, which I don't see getting that stuff off my plate. I kind of feel like my job is to make new jobs and then once they become a full job, hire someone to take it over. So in terms of expansion, you mentioned when you guys first started, you pretty much nailed it down to one, 2% where you would be in four years. Where do you guys see yourself in the next one year and then three years after that? Yeah. So we've, we want to double this year, double the next year, then grow about 60% then grow about 45% is what we have laid out. So basically the four-year goal is to get this business to a hundred million dollars, hundred million in fee, thousand person company in four years. Pretty big goals you got there, huh? (laughs) Yeah. But on a percentage level, like what what I just laid out, the doubling the next two years could be a little, but going, growing 45% in the sixth year or that'd be eighth year is not crazy. So like that, you know, somewhere in there, we actually, I don't know that we're that off from what we can do and we're bringing in people that have done it. So part of what we're doing now is also bringing in some people that have been there so that we can just lay the groundwork and go. I got you. I mean, how do you even map out something like office space for growth like that? Yeah, office space is becoming more of a challenge. We're, you know, looking around to see if we're going to pick up a big building as a headquarters that we can grow in to at least half that goal, which, you know, the next two and a half years, basically. And at that point, you know, it's going to be finding finding space around or making it work. It's it's definitely not easy. It's been we've been lucky to this point. Our landlord up until now has been a godsend he's let us grow in the same building from 300 square feet to 12,000 seamlessly Uh, but we're now at a point where we're over half the building he's not going to go kick people out for us so it's getting tougher to and and obviously it's exponential in terms of the space we need so it's getting tougher to accommodate us are you letting someone else handle the real estate side of things no that's my background so (laughs) that's definitely part of what's on my plate Awesome. No, adding more to the plate. I always love that. You mentioned kind of how your brain works a little bit. What do you think you're better at than anyone else? Please be selfish here. Uh, better at than anyone else. Honestly, sales and not sales from like a traditional like salesman kind of like pushy way. But like, I'm pretty good at just like identifying what people need, seeing if I can serve it and being non like, and I'm sincerely nonchalant about it. Like I never when people people get angry at me, sometimes when I have an ego on the phone, I'll hear every once in a while, like, I don't really think we should work together. Like you're not even selling me. Like I don't sell people. I explain what we do. I identify where we can help them and just lay it out and just show like, Hey, you know, I'm really logic driven. So it's like, you have this problem. We solve that problem. We should work together. Kind of a no brainer. And so, you know, you look at our, my close rates are about triple what our average salesperson does just because, and I think it's because that's kind of my style is, on the sales side, you know, I've been told since I was a young kid, I can sell ice to Eskimos. All my teachers thought I should be a lawyer because I was really good at arguing, but arguing and debating can be translated into sales as well. So I'd say I've gotten that. And then marketing. I mean, I've grown three brands. What companies do you most like to work with? <clears throat> good people. The The product, like my, my last company was a women's activewear brand. I don't have some weird fetish with women's activewear. I just did it because I like growing things and it's more about the P it's not to me. It's not about the product. It's not about that. That doesn't really matter to me. Growth is really what I care about and what I have fun with. And then working with really cool people, fun people, smart people, which frankly, I get to do a lot of, we have, you know, when you're talking to CEOs of companies that are making money, they're generally cool, smart people. Cause they had to get a lot of people to work for them, with them, around them. And they're smart. They had to build something. 
are those connections your favorite part of what you do? Uh, probably. Um, I don't know if it's, so I grew up in a small town and I don't know if it's an insatiable desire to just meet new people, but I love building relationships, meeting new people, learning from new people. And so I, I naturally gravitate towards that. Is there one business contact that you've met over the past four years that stood out above all else? Uh, yeah, I'd say, you know, a guy named Jesse Morris, who's really well known in the space. Um, he's just a really well known guy. He's younger than me by a little, I think six months younger than me, but met him three years ago through a mutual friend that was a VC. That's like, you guys are like the same person and non-competitive you should meet. And I mean, aside from just being like, he ha he runs a similar non-competitive business, meaning a, he's a development shop, so a service business, but around tech instead of marketing. Um, so we've been able to like really share a lot and help each other out. And he's also driven us more business than any other partner period as an individual. So it's like it, the combination of like a guy that like really helps support us has is like a friend. We we've done trips together. We hang out together but also helps drive our business. And then also like a great sounding board because a lot of times we're going through the same things and just try to watch each other's back. That to me is like the best business relationships because when you're the CEO of a company, I mean, I, it, this is the world's smallest bio-in, but it's lonely at the top. It's not like I can go to my employees and talk about the problems of being a CEO. So it's nice to be able to have those kind of people around you that are in, the, in it. You're in it together. You're helping each other out and watching each other's back. And then you're also giving each other advice and feedback. And, you know, I even get Jesse again is like one of the more well-connected guys. He'll tell me what, you know, the, there's always in every business, people love to talk shit. <laughs> there's always negative rumors around. And he'll literally give me the like word on the street about us that's negative. So I can help combat like, you know, one year it was we hire only junior people. So I was like, great, thank you. And I went out and did a whole press tour of, you know, here's how we hire people. Here's what we look for so that people knew like, no, it's yeah, they're young. They're not junior. And so they're, you know, built, it really know, like has helped us a lot in that sense. I'd say he definitely stands out. Yeah. I mean, those relationships are absolutely invaluable. And in, in your own industry, how have you seen technology kind of disrupted? Are you seeing some big changes happening? Not yet. Um, I think AI will when AI is actually AI. Um, I think AI is, you know, marketers like myself have turned machine learning and automation into the word AI, which is, it's just not. And so it's not there yet, but when AI becomes something real, I think that we're going to lose a lot. Um, I think we're, and we're watching it constantly. And, you know, for us, it's actually a good thing because someone still needed to navigate this stuff and creativity is going to take a long time to become artificially intelligent. Uh, so you're going to need marketers for a long time. And for us, it just means that we can scale without hiring as much which you know, we're like, we're incorporating a, a pretty good machine learning tool for ad buying right now. It'll just make a, make our people more efficient. You still need people to run it, but at least a lot of the tedious work is getting more and more automated. So it's, yeah, it, for us, it just makes our business more efficient, which is nice. I mean, you mentioned you're watching that technology. What are you actually doing to watch that? Is it, are you reading certain things? Are you just watching certain videos or just kind of taking a pulse of different people in the industry? Uh, really just taking a pulse and my, I mean, my team, to be honest, my, you know, we have all these different experts that all they do all day is spend time on that one thing. So, you know, we've got 20 something people that all they do all day is Facebook advertising. A lot of times they're looking up their own stuff and coming across stuff and then they'll come to me and say, Hey, this is awesome. We should use this. And you know, I'm pretty trusting of what my team wants to do. So if they need me, I'm more, you know, we, we believe here in servant leadership, like I'm here to help them. So if they want something and it's pencils out, then it's like, great, go get it. 
you think there's a certain industry you're not involved with, but you think you could absolutely dominate with your skill set? Uh, I think entertainment. I think it's really? are still a very convoluted industry. And I think like they just we have such a great eye for like actually getting results from marketing where entertainment's still kind of throwing dollars at the, you know, to the wind and hoping that they get enough impressions out there. And that's just not how you do it anymore. And so, uh, you know, it's coming around. I've seen better and better campaigns from entertainment, but for a while now, that's something that I've wanted to get into. Where do you think small businesses can get the best ad dollars right now? Um, where can small businesses get the best ad dollars? I'd say, uh, still Facebook, to be honest, Facebook still like, it depends on your business. If you're a need-based business, like a marketing agency where it's like, I need someone to do my marketing search is better because people are actively looking for you. But Facebook to drum up demand is still the best. Gotcha. I got a selfish question. I mean, I have a podcast. How do I grow my listenership? Anything you think I should focus on? Um, growing listenership, I'd say collaborating with influencers to be on the podcast has been what I've seen the best. Like, I'll obviously share this to a couple hundred thousand people. Like, those kind of things really help to get people on it that can help share it because that's that organic growth is important in terms of like, you know, systematically building out a podcast. I don't know. Uh, that's not something I've done is actually marketed a podcast to grow an audience. I mean, you're incredibly witty and quick on your feet. Have you been asked a question or anything in the past year or two that's really stumped you and you had to think about? Right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it happens. I can't remember when, but just like now it's, and I'm usually just quick to say, I'm not sure, or, uh, you know, don't have a good answer like I don't right now. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about that. You see a lot of people in a position like yourself, high business CEOs that won't admit that they're wrong or don't know something. Have you always been like that? Yeah, no, I mean, I learned my, I, not learned my, I don't remember the lesson, but like, I never was the person that had to like, that wanted to lie or BS my way into things. I, uh, if I don't know something, I guess, again, I think it comes from confidence. Like I'm totally comfortable not, not knowing something. Man, I'm taking so many great points away from this conversation. I'm really enjoying this. I've heard you talk about work-life balance and how you absolutely hate that. Why do you hate that? Oh, because I think it the idea of, you know, calling work and life the antithesis of each other is just a fallacy and why people are miserable at work. If you look at it more of a blend and like your work should be part of your life, then you will enjoy it a lot more. You'll You'll also pick better jobs. You'll look for stuff that does feel like you know, I get the, I get what the saying is and it's like, you should be doing things other than work and have a balance in it. But like my work blends into my personal life a lot. My best partners and, you know, trusted advisors to business are some of my best friends. You know, I'll go travel around Europe with people that I've done business with, you know, like it's like, I get to have fun. Like my, I just went for 72 hours to Tokyo for my birthday with my business partner. I don't know. I, I feel like that's a balance and like people would justify the work life balance, but we talked work. We, you know, spent the entire flight there and back talking strategy and figuring out work. And then we had a blast eating sushi and drinking sake and rent running around Tokyo. Like it's, it's a blend, not a balance is I guess the point. Where's been your favorite place to travel? Uh, that, that definitely took, uh, got up in the top few quickly. Tokyo was amazing. Um, spent a lot of time in Europe. Uh, to be honest, it's kind of like you at the U S like, it's not that different. The history in like Paris is pretty awesome. Uh, Brazil was amazing. Iguazu Falls, uh, top of the list right now for me is, uh, Cape Town and Sydney. I need to make it to Australia and South Africa, but I'm figuring that out. Okay. My wife and I love to travel. So always trying to get some insights there. What are you most looking forward to in 2018? Uh, 
honestly, our business is taking kind of a good shift in the sense of like, it's instead of being this young, scrappy agency, like trying to, you know, hustle our way through things. It's we've really got a process that works now. We've really got a team. And so now I'm, I'm, in, I'm looking forward to like looking what it is to scale a medium business, you know, to like, we're at a point now where it's, you know, we're, we're still a small business, barely according to the US census. But in general, we're not really seeing 125 people is not necessarily a small business anymore. And so it's much more strategic and less about hustle, which again, like my whole desire is like to constantly doing new things and changing and I get to do it again. I get to figure out how to scale this business now, which is very different. I mean, that's so exciting heading into 2018. And you mentioned being more strategic. I want to think about uh, strategy kind of from a personal level. Are there any apps or computer programs you use to make your life a little better and easier? The only app I use a ton is Captio, C-A-P-T-I-O. It's literally this most simple $2 app ever and it lets you email yourself. So I, uh, Every time I have a thought or something I need to remember or like, I'm, or I get someone's contact info at a, you know, event or something like that. I don't take cards or anything anymore. I just write, have them write their email in Captio. It shoots me an email and then I use my email box as my to-do list. So I keep zero inbox, but also constantly can build a list of things that I need to be working on, uh, by you and that I used to just actually email myself and this just shortcuts all that. Oh, very cool. I'll have to check that one out. I mean, I'm always fascinated, someone like yourself, how they're consuming new content and kind of growing their knowledge base. Anything you're doing, any books you're reading or is it solely on meetings? Um, yeah, no, it's solely on meetings. I don't, books, I do some books on tape. Like I did, I just did Shoe Dog and I forget what else I just read. Shoe Dog was but, great. But meaning I use Audible a lot, but a lot's an overstatement. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get through probably five to 10 books a year, maybe. Um, so yeah, somewhere in there. And so it's, I'm not like a voracious reader. My partner is, but I'm not. Um, I'm more experiencing from learning from others. Like my whole thing is I've surrounded myself with people that are really good at specific things. And I'll call my buddy that's really good at sales to figure out a sales problem. I'll call, you know, when I have specific problems, I'll go find the person that I trust as an advisor to that kind of side of my business and figure it out. Very smart approach there. Very smart approach. Yeah, grabbing those people who know it better than yourselves. Do you do anything to kind of unwind and chill out? Uh, yeah, uh, travel is one of them. Uh, love to snowboard. I, and that's the funny thing is like, I don't just sit on my couch. Like un unwind to me is not sitting still. <laughs> I, I didn't take it uh, you were someone who was just gonna be sitting still at hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. snowboarding is a big one for me. Uh, I honestly have picked it. I've been doing it since I was 11, but have done it more and more and more recently. I've had the opportunity to go to a lot of conferences and things around ski resorts, so. Like I'm going heli skiing with 35 entrepreneurs next Wednesday to Sunday, which what's again, that's where I talk about work-life balance. That is totally fun, but it's 35 entrepreneurs. Like business came out of it last time I did it. I'm sure it will again. And you know, the blend of work and life is really fun. Do you get into a flow state when you're snowboarding? Yeah, for sure. Really? Do you do the same in work? Uh, yeah, it gets a point for sure. Is there any, have you found out kind of how to really hack into that and jump into a flow state at any point during your business? Not in a very like conscious way. Gotcha. It just happens. Like I'll notice, especially when I'm like punching through like computer work and emails and things like that. Like I'll just lose track of time and just two hours later, look up and be like, oh, I'm done. Oh, I guess that just happened. Like for sure. Very cool. Is there anything you haven't accomplished yet? Uh, a lot. <laughs> I'm, well, we're no, just no, getting no. started. I, I knew you would answer that way. I'm just curious what you kind of see top priorities. Yeah, I mean, again, like we have a four, another a new four year goal that is going to take a lot more than I think the first four year goal took, uh, and so that that's one. I need. I want to accomplish that. Uh, we've got the financial side that I want to figure out. I've got you know, 
and then it's it's frankly like every day is a new accomplishment that's part of it it's like i, I just want to be better tomorrow than i was today and so it's not there's no like end of the road there's no like last goal we're not trying to sell the company at any point that's not we've turned down a deal almost every three weeks so like it's intent unless someone comes and like offers us literally an offer we can't refuse i don't think that's going to happen so it's really about just continuing to grow and build and be better say that offer did come in what are you doing the next day after you sell <laughs> investing it and figuring out what to do with the money and then <laughs> probably figuring out the next thing to do I, i'd probably take about I've, I've i've definitely fantasized about it i'd probably take three months and go travel around and have some fun for a little while and then go right back to it a any spots on that travel trip you'd be hitting uh south africa and australia for sure at this point depends when it happens <laughs> <laughs> very uh, cool now only a couple more questions for you what's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for you Oof, that's a hard one. A lot of people do a lot of nice things for me. So you're appreciating uh, that, huh? Yeah. I mean, my fiance said yes to marrying me. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Congratulations on that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we'll let you off the hook on that one. But what's the most memorable day in your business career? Memorable day. Is there one day that stands out above all else? Yeah. Um, I was in the process of selling my second e-commerce company and hadn't jumped into the third into work i was going ended up consulting at science the incubator after that that watched like dollar shave and there was like a three week period there where the money dried up right before we were selling and i didn't have a new thing yet and i had like three weeks of no money no savings a lot of debt and uh just kind of figuring out what the hell i was going to do and had and it wasn't like a day so it was an interesting um few days of or sorry few weeks of you know kind of the bottom of the bottom so uh i always i always go back to that because frankly as tough as it was to like literally have to figure out how to eat figure out how to pay the bills and not you know and try to like uh delay some of my payments till i hopefully got a job which again happened three weeks later i uh i always go back to that it wasn't that bad which like you asked earlier about the fear of failure it's like i've been at the you know wasn't quite homeless but wasn't too far from it either and it was like that's it wasn't like as you know, it'd probably be gut wrenching now because I've been able to afford a pretty decent life the past few years. But at the same time, it's really not that bad. Hmm. Eric, man, I really enjoy this conversation. You're someone I've, I've looked up to for a while now. But after this call and this talk, I, I mean, I really do appreciate what you're doing so much more and how you kind of go after life. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you. How can the listeners stay connected with you? Yeah, super easy. Uh, every platform, I'm just at or slash Eric Huberman. So E-R-I-K-H-U-B-E-R-M-A-N. So that's Eric with a K. So Awesome. Well, we'll get all that linked up on the show notes. But once again, Eric, thanks for joining us on What Got You There. All right. Thank you. As someone who's always looking for ways to improve my mental and physical performance, I started using Four Sigmatic about a year ago, and I love their products. At Four Sigmatic, they believe in the real magic of functional mushrooms like reishi, chaga, cordyceps, and lion's mane, as well as other superfoods and adaptogens to help us live healthier, more enhanced lives. Everyone's talking about Four Sigmatic, including Time Magazine, Vogue, Forbes, even the New York Times. My favorite product is their convenient new brain stick pack. Perfect before a workout or a study session, their dual mushroom blend supports memory attention and brain health. I also have been using their cordyceps before workouts and love the results. I've experienced the benefits of these delicious packets, but now it's time for you to as well. To receive 15% off your order, use discount code WGYT 
at checkout at foursigmatic.com or by heading to foursigmatic.com forward slash WGYT. If you're looking for a way to stay energized throughout the entire day, grab a bottle of Suniva Super Coffee. Suniva is something I drink on a daily basis. It's an organic bottled coffee blend with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil, which provides me with clean, all-day energy. Head to your local Whole Foods or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. Suniva was founded by three college athletes who are brothers and wanted a cleaner way to stay energized throughout the entire day. Let's face it, we all want to look good in the clothes we wear, but I got tired of sifting through the racks looking for a quality pair of jeans that cost less than $300. Then I found Distilled. DSTLD, pronounced Distilled, offers premium denim and essentials at an affordable price. Their products cost just one-third of what other premium brands charge because Distilled refuses to work with middlemen, bringing savings directly to you. Just go to dstld.com right now and use the promo code JOURNEY10 in all caps at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.